1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of After Impact. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with the magnificent Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. What is up? How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm fasting right now. That's what I heard. Intermittent fasting, so nobody should get too hysterical, but yeah, I'll be until, certainly until we're done with this. So how many hours in between where you don't get food? Entirely based on my ketone levels, but ah. somewhere around 16.
0: That's a lot of hours.
1: That's That's a lot lot of of hours. Yeah. Yeah. People would, if you're doing it and you're not used to it, you will officially be hungry. Yeah. There's no question. For sure. But um, when you're in ketosis, especially because I'm so used to it now, like it really, it is so fundamentally different. On weeks where I'm high protein, I'm like, the thought of doing intermittent fasting is literal torture. (laughs) But when I'm high fat and actually in a ketogenic state, it's simple. It's very, very easy. It's very interesting
0: uh after impact welcome everyone this is the live show and recorded show that goes on a podcast (laughs) later that uh in which tom and i unpack the impact of this week's episode with sarah rob o'hagan before we get into that i have a question for you audience do you consider yourself gritty yes or no drop it in the comments i like that we're gonna be talking a lot about grit in this after impact yes 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 uh, but thank you YouTube and Facebook for joining us you guys. Uh, hopefully you've seen the episode. This was a really fun one Love this one. Yeah, very good um, If you have questions for Tom about some of the ideas that uh, He and Sarah were discussing in the episode of impact theory, please, please ask them now. This is your chance This is what we want people to engage Join the conversation.
1: Yeah, buddy. Cool. Yeah, buddy.
0: Should we get into I think it? we should dive right in Okay, um, if you don't know who Sarah Robbo Hagen is, highly encourage you to watch the episode. I think you'll get a nice overview of her background and what she's all about. But she is a um, very successful um, executive in marketing. And also, she was, so she was marketing director of um, Nike yes. and Virgin. Truth. And then she was also the president of Gatorade and Equinox. Also true. And is now a CEO of uh, her company, Flywheel.
1: betting a thousand. Yes.
0: Um, so she's had a very diverse and long career, very successful career, um, working with some of the biggest brands in the world and, um, also has an interesting way of how she presents and packages her career, her successes and her failures, very honest and very, um, just transparent about those, which is one thing that really attracted me to her and her story. Um, I want to jump off with talking about, I just want to, I guess, start with a broad question. What's the one thing that you think has made Sarah so successful in her career?
1: This is one that is really hard to put words around, but it was the the moment where she shows up and the person that hired her, so she moves to New York to take a job at Virgin. She shows up, person that hired her is has been fired, is no longer at the company, no one is expecting her, and she rolls up has a piece of paper that says i have a job and so um she you know is stuck goes into the bathroom bursts into tears like cries it out and then realizes wait a second i've got to go out there and make something of this so she goes out and she says look i have this piece of paper that says i have a job so i have a job so please go get somebody from hr and i love that one because she was She, like, processed the emotion. It's not like she's just some badass that, like, doesn't um, have emotion. She has them. She processes through them. But it's that moment, like, you hinted at that, you know, grit, where she's like, okay, wait a second. I'm going to figure this out. Goes in and realizes, okay, let me just break down what's about to happen. I am the last one into the company. So if anything goes wrong, I'm going to be the first one that they fire. So I need to immediately prove that I have value. And this is something that she talked about in the episode where she said, Look, if you want to get a promotion, if you want to move up in your company, bring sales in the door. She's like, Mm -hmm. if you do that, like very rapidly, you will get attention. You will get promoted because it's what the company needs and wants. So she goes. She's the new girl. Nobody knows who she is. The person that hired her has been fired. And she writes this like, here's exactly what I think this company should do. She maps it out, does work that has not been asked of her. I want people to really hear that. She didn't wait for somebody to tell her what to do. She understood the situation, wrote out a marketing plan, and slipped it under the president's door. She didn't ask for permission. She didn't go through her boss. Like She did the Hail Mary of I'm going to bring value at the highest level possible, and then you know whatever comes, comes. And she ends up getting a promotion out of it and like really making a name for herself right off the bat. And how she responded to adversity to me, like, shows everything about her character. That's
0: awesome. So, if you had to take a stab at like really distilling that down into a quality,
1: what would you say? I'm gonna go with grit. Like, overall, that's not the world's cleanest example of grit. But the cleanest example of grit from her story is just not quite as cool of a story for me is she goes and takes a test to get a job at the airline. She believes that like she needs a job at the airline in order to get out of her small town in New Zealand. So she goes, she applies, takes a test and fails and is like, wait a second. Like, I know I can do this. So she goes back and she says, I understood I couldn't just say, hey, this isn't fair, whatever, that she had to really make a case for herself. But she goes and says, look, I I know I can do this job. Get me in front of the person that is you know actually the one making this decision i will explain to them what i want to do for the company how i'm going to add value mm-hmm. and so she said she was so persistent because they just kept like ignoring her she was so persistent full stalker mode that finally woman's like all right i'm going to get you five minutes in front of the guy that actually makes the decision she gets in front of that guy explains how she thinks she can bring a lot of value to the company and he ends up hiring her and actually made an additional position for her. And then she knew, like, I have to deliver, again, a crushing amount of value. It can't be like, oh, um, you're cajoling and convincing, and somebody gives you a slot, now you have it, and you can just relax. She was like, getting in was only the beginning. So then she really has to, again, crush it. And those two things of, like, the perseverance to get the job, which we're gonna sum up by saying gritty, and I think that really is the key to her success, but then followed up by always being willing to crush it. I love that. And she has had these huge successes because of
0: her perseverance and because she goes above and beyond of providing value. And then she's had epic failures and she's super honest about them and transparent. And I was just, when I was researching her before she came on the show, I looked at her LinkedIn profile. And can I, I just want to read the descriptions yeah, of her yeah. LinkedIn profile. Director of Marketing, Virgin Atlantic Airways, Virgin Entertainment Group, June 1998 to June 2000. To totally crush it at Virgin Atlantic Airways with the widely acclaimed collaboration with the Austin Powers movie on the campaign Virgin Shaglantic, then went on to get promoted to lead marketing for Virgin Megastores, where I was fired after one year for being too cocky, unwilling to ask for help, <laughs> out of my depth, and ineffective. That's on her LinkedIn profile.
1: That's amazing.
0: When I read that, I was like, She's am- this she like won me over. This yeah. is amazing. Because no everyone's LinkedIn profile is it's like perfect. the most polished, like, oh, I brought all this value, revenue, drove, you know uh, yeah, it's always, like, your best version of what you did, and it glosses over all of the the mistakes along the way. Her VP of marketing at Atari Interactive just says, Epic fail. Joined the company overlooking the fact that I hate video games, had zero understanding of the product, the consumer or the business ended up getting sidelined to run non-core projects and then laid off. That's on her LinkedIn profile. That's
1: amazing. Yeah, I love it. That so, is amazing.
0: I want to ask you, because she takes such a... Um, counterintuitive approach to how she presents herself, how she's so transparent about her failures. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you, like is there something that people can take away in how they characterize themselves or present themselves to other people. Do you think that people can adopt
1: that in their own lives? They can, definitely, but here's what people need to understand, and oh God, I know that some people are gonna look at that and they're gonna take away the wrong message, and the message they're gonna take away is like, hey, just lay all your failures out like <sighs> right. to you know, for everybody to see, and then they're gonna be like, why didn't I get a job? Like, I don't understand. What you have to get about her is this is the humility that comes from she was fucking good. Yeah. She was really good. She was getting promoted, like really crushing it, and then gets cocky, fails because of her cockiness mm-hmm. or taking jobs that she knows she shouldn't have. And and she's owning that because she knows to the core of her being that she will execute if she stops getting in her own way. So she is real about it, lets people know. But when they're sitting there talking to her, she's not going to walk into an interview unprepared. She is going to be, I'm guessing, she is going to walk in and be the most prepared candidate that you're going to meet. She is going to walk you through a detailed outline of exactly what she's going to do for your company. She's going to understand your company. She's not going to be like, well, I'm not going to do a bunch of work just for an interview, which people actually say that is so fucking crazy. Like, She's going to walk in ready to rock. She's going to show you exactly the kind of value Mm -hmm. that you can expect from her. And then the like i failed becomes the whoa she doesn't try to sugarcoat she doesn't like bullshit or hide from her mistakes and that like when you couple those together it's like whoa she has real self awareness around what went wrong yeah has taken the time to stop and assess has learned something isn't trying to disguise it so she doesn't view it as like an achilles heel or something that's like a a weakness in her game it was like I misplayed a game. It's not necessarily a weakness in my skill set. So here moving forward is what you can expect from me. And there's going to be like, even in the delivery, she's going to be money. I just, having spent the time with her, I know that's true. And when you're talking to somebody in an interview, it isn't always what they say, it's how they say it. And that's why people say confidence is so important. And it really, really is. And confidence is important in all aspects of life. So, you know, then you can start boiling it down. Okay, what are the things that give her the confidence and all that? And I think when you take that down to its essence, the answer is she's taken the time to actually get good. Yeah, I love that. I'm
0: glad you brought up confidence because I wanted to ask you a question. What do you think is more important, having
1: confidence or having humility? Confidence. Can you elaborate? Yeah. And I mean, look, I'm I'm conflicted about it because they're both really, really powerful traits. So this is not me saying confidence is powerful and humility is not. I think humility really plays out in the long run as just an incredibly effective tool. But Eric Barker, it's also um, detailed this and it's also been detailed by other people. I'm, I'm forgetting who else. Um, but this whole notion that jerks really can get ahead. And Mm. and confidence, by the way, does not have to manifest as being a jerk. So I'm just taking it out to to where it's a difficult question. So even if it goes all the way to being arrogant, I think that that actually does serve you better in acute situations for sure than just being um, humble. And a lot of times humility allows other people to overlook you, look beyond you. And so it's this really delicate dance. When you're gonna have a chance to back it up, I think that you can be fucking arrogant, like really arrogant. Because when you deliver results, people will forgive some really crazy behavior. Yeah, that's true. Now, if you're humble and also have a chance to back it up, okay, then you know, you're, gonna, you're gonna get your chance. I think it will take longer for people to notice you. And if you look at me as an interviewer, um, I've done this weird dance with humility. And in, in the beginning, I, was, I talked a lot more as an interviewer because I felt like I had to establish my voice. People needed to know what I was thinking. It couldn't just be I was like the, um, oh, thank you, master, for showing up and teaching us, right? I really thought that would be a bad way to play it. But then as I got my voice out there and people began to recognize, I actually know what the fuck I'm talking about, then it was like mission number one was to shut the fuck up. So I needed in the early days, still believe that this is true. I needed to establish myself and then I needed to back off. Mm -hmm. And so as I've, had more chances to do things like this, where I know I'm gonna get a chance to showcase whether I have advice that's effective, whether you can adopt it, use it in your life, and people are gonna be like, whoa, you've changed my life, I've gotten results I could put into action, and it, it really has had an echo in my life. So from that place, now I can be way more humble, I can be way more quiet, because my work, quote unquote, is now out in the world. Um, so you do have to balance that. But in the beginning, while I, I don't think I came across arrogant in the beginning, It very much was I needed people to know that I had a talent and that I could deliver on that talent. It couldn't be invisible. I couldn't just lead with, oh, I'm going to be quiet and sit here and be humble and let people discover what I've built and, you know, quietly in the background. It was like I really had to be way more aggressive about it.
0: Yeah, for me, I think, too, um, if you're going to go in super confident, then you also have to really take ownership when you fail. I think people who are super confident and then gloss over those mistakes, then you lose a lot of credibility from people could
1: not agree more. And honestly, like I would encourage every my core um, mode is humility. Like that's what I feel for sure because I've failed so many times. so but at the same time, I understand the intoxication of certainty. I understand how much people respond to confidence. I also yeah. understand how much confidence allows me to push forward. So, yeah, it—they are both incredibly usable. If you're only going to let me have one, I'll take confidence. All right, like that. Uh, let's do a
0: couple shoutouts. We got Jacob Lim from England tuning in. What's up? What's up, England? Jacob? In the house. Yeah, we got a couple. We got Dan Bro, Dan Bro from Surrey, man. UK. Yeah, you can always. Is he Canada, in bro. the UK? He is. Oh.
1: Okay. He was here briefly.
0: Okay. I thought he was in the States for some yeah. reason. And we got Sherry Nova from Maryland. Or Sherry. Nova. Nice. Um, let's do a question from the audience. Real quick though, I just want to announce and congratulate our winners of the Refer a Friend contest, yes. which we wrapped up yes. over the weekend. We have Sim Land coming to spend the day here in Los Angeles in a couple of months. From Estonia from Estonia. So congratulations, Sim, you won the Refer a Friend Contest. Thanks everyone for participating. It really helped us grow. Um, it was really great to see that engagement. We have two runners up. Uh, David Kim, who had a lot of people a lot of come people. in and subscribe. So thank you, David. And Sayed. Syed. Um, so both of those runners up get a package like an Amazon Echo Dot. Nice. Um, Audible subscription, a whole bunch of things. Nice, nice. Um, and the reason we're giving away Amazon Echo Dots is, of yeah. course, because there's an Alexa skill that you can hear, Tom, in your flash briefing daily motivation.
1: Yeah. And by the way, if you've already signed up for that flash briefing skill, I want to hear about it. Like, hit me up on IG. Send me a tweet, something. Um, let me know. Like, I'm doing a lot of different styles of content. Um, and I'd love to know which ones you guys are resonating with. That would be amazing. And if you have signed up and want to drop a review into Amazon, you would not hurt my feelings. That would be amazing. <laughs> All right. Let's do a question from our Facebook audience. This is from Lance
0: Carter Is grit really as simple as practice, or is there a way to inoculate
1: yourself against letting negative results impact your drive? Okay. So those are actually two very different questions. Um, and I may need you to remind me of the second one. So. Um, grit is not as simple as repetition. Is that the word you use? So practice it's, it isn't as simple as that. And for a very detailed breakdown of what makes up grit and like how interest and excitement all play into grit, um, read Angela Duckworth's book by the same name. Really, really important. You can develop grit. It is not one of those things. Oh, you either have it or you don't. Um, you can def- definitely develop grit, but one of the first things you're going to find about being gritty is that it really has to be something that you're excited about that's worthwhile to you for whatever reason to push through, to um, suffer through the boredom, the difficulties and all of that. And, and I think that's the most underlooked part of, of grit is that, that it needs to be something that you're compelled by. It's got to mm. be like cool and exciting and interesting to you. Um, but Angela Duckworth really breaks it down. Okay, the second part, um, hit me with it again. Um, is there a way to inoculate
0: yourself against letting negative results impact your drive? Yeah.
1: So this comes down to um, you have a negative voice in your head. In fact, if you haven't already signed up for the newsletter, sign up because this is exactly the issue that I address in detail in the newsletter that goes out today or tomorrow. It already went out this morning. Perfect. So... Um, I'm I'm trying to shift the newsletter to a little bit more like, here are three things to do on this, that or the other. Um, and I happen to go into how to deal with the negative voice. So the negative voice, it actually serves a purpose and can be very useful, but you've got to learn... That you don't have to take it at its word. You don't have to listen to everything that it says. It's like recognize that it's there and then decide if you're going to act on its advice or not. Um, The negative voice is meant to keep you safe, which can be very beneficial. It definitely makes you aware that there are stakes. It's going to make sure that you prepare for whatever. Um, But when it begins to diminish your sense of confidence, when it begins to diminish your drive, then you should stop listening to it. So you need to be very, very careful to let that thing step into a role that's usable. And then once it crosses over into a line where now it's corroding your sense of self, uh, it's diminishing your confidence, you have to Make it okay in your own mind to let that go, to not think about it, to not pay attention to that voice. That's really, really critical. And for me, understanding that the negative voice has a job is to keep me safe. It's not necessarily to help me live a profound life or to bring value to the world. It's meant to keep me safe. And while that may have been very advantageous from an evolutionary standpoint, it's not necessarily advantageous now. Um, And so anxiety, for instance, which is an outcropping of that negative voice because that negative voice begins to heckle you and obsess over all the ways that it could go wrong and tell you that you're probably going to fail and it's going to be really embarrassing and all that. And the point of that is to keep you from doing something like, let's say, public speaking. So it's designed to keep you off the stage so that you don't embarrass yourself, so that you don't get ostracized right. from the group, which, you know, 100,000 years ago would have been catastrophic and would almost mean certain death. Now, that just isn't the case. It's, it's embarrassing. And yes, that really sucks, but you're not going to die. And by going out there and doing something, you have a chance to live a bigger life and to contribute more and all of that and to chase your dreams. And so once I understood that it didn't share my goals, that voice didn't share my goals, then it was okay for me to ignore that voice. And so I check in with it. I see like it points out things that I need to take seriously, but it tries to tell me to back off and that I choose to ignore almost always.
0: If you are hearing the negative voice and maybe you're feeling like, you know, what, this, I'm, I'm getting too much of this right now and I need to shift back over into something that's positive. Are there things that you do to like change your state of mind? Are you going to put on some music or are you just... It's really just the the, th- the thoughts that are happening in your head.
1: Usually because I don't have the time, like in a, the middle of a business meeting and the negative <laughs> voice speaks up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, don't say that. People are going to think that's really dumb or you're going to embarrass yourself or whatever. Um, I can not be like, hey, guys, hold on a second. I, I want right. to put this yeah. song on. But songs actually really work. And yeah. I was thinking that uh, last couple days in the gym, I found this play mode called Beast Mode on nice. Spotify. And normally I use the gym as a time to find new songs. So some are going to be tempo, some will be mellow and you know, and I'm just listening for that one that really catches me, but not really making music a big part of my workout. And then I saw beast mode and I was feeling a little bit tired and I thought, you know what, let me put this on. And it was like, boom, this instant shot of adrenaline. And I was like, wow, I forgot like how incredible music is for really giving you that burst of energy, allowing you to totally manipulate your brain chemistry. So music is, is one of the many tools that I've used. Um, meditative breathing, which you can do in the middle of a meeting. It can be a little weird. You have to learn to do it like somewhat subtly. Yeah. Um, but that's, breathing from my diaphragm, I do a lot in yeah. meetings to lower anxiety. So there are many like real sort of tactical things that you can do. Um, some will be effective in any scenario breathing from your diaphragm some will only be effective in a given scenario like music question what is on the beast mode playlist what kind of music um it, there's a lot of hip-hop there's a lot of um oh god i used to know the name of this so well what's that really like it sounds like transformers like dubstep dubstep thank you yeah, yeah. Okay. so a lot of dubstep on there a lot of um edm like oh, right, really right. up-tempo aggressive stuff nice. you, you know you're gonna get your jay-z your tupac you know that kind of stuff nice um all right i have a question around
0: you know sarah says something in the episode don't ever wait or worry that someone didn't ask you to do something just go out and do oh, it man. Yeah. which i really really loved um and i consider that like for me in my head, I think of that as like taking ownership of things mm-hmm. um, and not just waiting for instruction. But how do you know the difference between being bold and being reckless in those scenarios?
1: You know, it's interesting. I know that this is a manufactured question for you because you're really good at this. <laughs> and like you really shine on both sides of that. So you've got the. You and I will meet for a weekly meeting and you'll have pre-thought things out and I'll think, oh man, I'm so glad he's thinking about this because I'm not. So take for instance, um, both the, Tom, you have too many ideas going, we need to like really narrow them down. I've created this spreadsheet, go through, please rank them so that we know what the priority is. Brilliant. Um, The YouTube algorithm, you were the first one to start slacking that and saying, hey, we really need to research this. And I was like, oh my God, you are so right. So you're really, really good about that. And you're also like, I don't turn around and you're like, all right, so you know, I've got so-and-so coming over today. You guys are gonna be shooting something. Like you would never do that, right? So you definitely understand how to walk that line, which I think is really, really impressive. Now, as I've said to you, and I will definitely say to the audience, better to air, like if you're not sure where the line is, then spill over into Reckless. That's fine. Like whoever you're with, will rein you in or make it clear that they don't want that from you. And if they don't want contributions like that, if they're a micromanager and they really don't want you thinking for yourself, immediately leave. Mm -hmm. And those, by the way, those are very real people. They actually have that managerial style. It's a terrible fucking style. It's actually really stupid. Um, Jay um, Samet talks really powerfully about that and understanding that Even if like, and now I'm talking to people that manage people, even if the people that are working for you are not as talented as you are, there's still a lot of them. And so two B players end up getting more quality work done than one A player. So you need to like find that balance, really being able to delegate to help paint the vision, explain what you're expecting, all of that's just really, really critical. And then on the other side, like, and Sarah Robo Hagen talks about this in the episode, and I just wanted to like jump over and give her a hug when she was like, Look, stop trying to give your boss what you think they want because unless your boss is an asshole, they want exactly one thing, for the company to be more successful. That's it. And so if you're able to make the company more successful, if they don't meet that idea with open arms, like you've got a real problem. Either your boss has an ego problem, you have a pitching problem, which I want to make sure people understand, this may not be your boss. It may be you, but it could be your boss. And so you really need to be able to identify that. Um, if you're not open to new ideas, that's just crazy town. Mm -hmm. So what your boss wants for sure, definitively is for you to make the company bigger and better. And so keep going by the way, like this is the first thing I would do if my direct manager didn't want that, I would keep going up the food chain until I got to somebody who actually had the business's objectives in mind instead of their own ego. And I would just keep going above them. That is high risk behavior, but I really believe feathers. A hundred percent. But if you actually, and this is the key, motherfuckers, if you can actually deliver value. Right. Actually deliver value. If you come to me and say, as the CEO, and you say, I pitched this idea to three people before I got to you and they all shot it down, but here's my idea. If the CEO reads that and goes, wow, this is actually going to make the company better, they're not going to be pissed at you. They're really not because it adds value. Yeah. Now, if it's one of those where, yeah, it kind of adds value, but it's like there's a thousand things that add value. And the people that we're telling you no, know, like that's their job is to figure out which ones of these to move forward. So now I actually think less of you for not like recognizing that and just being a total rogue agent. And so you can do yourself a disservice. But I'm telling you in life, I would rather like my advice, if I had a child, my advice would be, hey, if if you're sure back off. If you're unsure if it's reckless, move forward. And if you get fired, you get fired. And you learn and figure out and you assess and it'll be very emotionally painful and hopefully financially painful. So you're really going to think about what that lesson was. Mm -hmm. But in that, you're going to find that lesson. Being afraid to act is the thing that terrifies me about everybody because you never took a chance. You never pushed the envelope. You never saw like, oh, where did I fall down? Like, was it in, I panicked, I froze, I wasn't able to articulate my idea. Was it I got all the way to the CEO with this idea that I thought was genius and then they poked three holes in it like instantly and I was like, oh, I was looking at it from my narrow band of the world. I wasn't looking at it as the company of a whole which is usually the problem by the time people get to me, they're pitching an idea that makes sense like if you only look at one narrow niche of the company and you're not thinking about the whole entity and what the grand objectives are. But you're going to learn. You're going to learn in that process. So you got to be a little bit fearless in that one. I love it. That answer went in an unexpected path, but a
0: very fruitful yeah. one. Nice. So thank you. Um, let's kick it over to our live audience. We've got a few questions coming in. This is from Danbro Fitness on our Facebook. Man. Saying things with confidence and passion is important. I am confident in my business, but I am not able to speak with potential clients with passion. Any advice on using a, an effective strategy?
1: Yeah. yeah practice. So right now, um, I'm in the middle of a fast. So before we went on air and I don't know if you notice this, but I'm actually a little bit low energy today. So before, and I've already done like a podcast this morning and I was really low energy cause it was fucking early. And, um, but right before I go on, I sort of do like an airline pilot would do a checklist on like, where's my energy level. Okay. My energy level's low. What are affectations that I can do that'll actually help me combat that, that'll speed my brain up. One for me is to force myself to speak rapidly. And that like, that's just something that I've practiced. I've learned how to do and I can feel myself doing it. And at the beginning of this episode, right before we went live, I was like, okay, when we go live, like I've really got to be hyped up. I've got to have some energy. So like as Ibrahim literally, this is, if you guys had seen Ibrahim does this countdown five, four, three, two, one actually stops at two. And then we know that, Hey, we're going live. I was like this as he started the five (laughs) because I was just like, that's where my energy really was. And then he, as he got like down to three, I started smiling. And then as it hit one, I was like, hey, you know, and then you just like tell yourself, all right, big energy on this, right? Big energy, meaning like change your body posture, actually increase your volume, push your diet. Like I'm literally tightening my diaphragm, force myself to talk louder, do bigger hand gestures, bigger facial. Like I'm literally running through all that shit like an airline pilot. Like where are my eyebrows? Like how much bigger? Like can I move around? Like, you know what I mean? Like what am I doing with my volume? Am, Am I like Really like um, riding the waves, going loud sometimes, quiet others. You know, like get like even just now watching me, it's all now taking over, right? As I tell you what I'm doing, I actually feel my energy increasing as I do the bigger hand gestures, as I like crunch my diaphragm so that I'm really pushing the air out of my voice. <laughs> it's hilarious. So yes, there like, you can practice talking with quote unquote passion.
0: Nice. I like that. Got a question here from Stacy Lee. It's a long one, so Stacy, I'm going to try to condense it. But she says, I have grit and am willing to work hard. However, how do you get your foot into a company's door, especially global brands like Virgin, Nike, Gatorade, et cetera? Can you share a unique story of how one of your interns joined the IT team that made him or her stand out? Um, I've been listening for a long time, but unable to land a better career, essentially.
1: All right, so that is an amazing question. I don't know if this is like a fucking setup, if Shanzi is somewhere typing his own uh, question. <laughs> so I'll tell you his story. It, it is the most complete, and all of our interns really did special things to get here, but Shanzi's is the most dramatic. Yes. So um, first he starts stalking me socially for a long time ago and actually makes a proclamation one day. I'm going to work for you. This is back at Quest. And so I'm thinking, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. like I, people say that a lot. They Mm -hmm. say either I'm going to work for you or I'm going to be on the show. Right. So, uh, I get that a lot. So put yourself in context when you send those things. And then he showed up to meet me at a speaking event that I was doing dressed like me. He had, he had an impact theory shirt. He had the black blazer. Um, and literally even with like, a similar kind of lapel. So as soon as I saw him, like there was this affinity, right? Which, and it actually didn't register at first. Why? I felt so like connected. And then I was like, oh my God, this fucking guy is like, literally got the brand shirt on, the jacket, because like, I consider that my uniform when I speak. Right. So he had a high degree of chance that I would be wearing that outfit. So that was smart. And then he stayed the entire, so I was doing an endless Q&A. He stayed the entire time. He took everybody's photo. So he was just there. He was, asking questions, but like not trying to monopolize the conversation. Then at the end, he said, you know, if it's okay, I I actually have a few more questions I'd like to ask when it was literally just him and I he had a sheet of like 27 questions. I remember. And he just, he starts going down them and looking for ways that he can add value. And he said, look, I've, I've put together a marketing plan. I would love for you to look at it. I want to be an intern. And I thought, whoa, like he's done all of this work and his marketing plan was awesome. And so I thought, Uh, A, he actually knows what he's talking about, which is huge. B, he's done all of that just to get an interview for an internship. So then you start asking yourself, man, if he'll do all this to get an interview for an unpaid internship, like what would he do if we put him on full-time staff? And so... That began, began the dialogue, and then he just stayed really engaged because it was going to be months and months and months before he could actually um, start the internship, but he stayed engaged through the whole thing and then just came in on day one and started crushing it. So adding an absurd amount of value, right? That marketing plan, even if nothing else, even if he didn't do anything else, just out of nowhere sends us a marketing plan and says, this is what I'm going to send you just to get an interview. It's going to get your attention because I want that information.
0: Yep. I remember that. It was very impressive and I talked to him for a long time too at that same event mm. while you were answering a lot of questions or speaking and yeah, he was very prepared. Had the whole binder, marketing plan, he had copies for us. It was impressive. Very. So hope that helped, Stacy. Keep keep grinding, stay gritty. All right. Um on that
1: note, how do you know if you are gritty? So, the harder question to answer is how do you know when you should be gritty and when you should quit? Mm. Because I think people know, like, if you're quitting, 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 you're not gritty. The question is are you quitting, quitting, quitting the right things and you just haven't found the one that you're really gonna push through or not? But I think the easiest way to boil it down is when you have a goal. And the thing that you need to do to achieve your goal is either hard or boring. Do you push through? So what's what's a goal you've had in your life and did you achieve it unequivocally or were there like caveats and asterisks? Because I'll say if there's caveats and asterisks, you're not ready. Has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Like if you've got no objective in your life that you've ever like stuck it through to the end, you're just not gritty. All right. That's a good test. Um,
0: Sarah sort of hinted at this, but that she sees a lot of people who don't know how to sort of be resilient in shouldn't say this, but in the millennial generation, younger people, Mm. do you see a generational deficiency of grit?
1: Um, I don't think, I think maybe it's like slightly exacerbated by the whole participation trophy and the parenting techniques that I would have used on my kids, which is you really do want to give them a better life. You want to protect them from some of the emotional pain that you went through. So they just haven't had a chance to like sharpen it. I don't, I don't think that's a big deal. And, and if in their journey of becoming gritty as fuck, like, does it add 5%? Maybe, but like I certainly don't look at this generation and go, wow, there's nobody gritty, right? So we have some of the most millennial motherfuckers ever on this team, and they're yep. also gritty as hell. So, um, yeah, there's, I, I'm not worried about that. So you just have to, at the end of the day, like recognize young people are at the beginning of the process of developing grit, which mm-hmm. comes from getting kicked in the face and then deciding, like, do I want this badly enough to keep going or not? Right. It's, it's the heartbreak and knowing that you have the choice and that could be literal, emotional, uh, relationship heartbreak, or it could be job heartbreak, but you have that moment of getting fired, going through something embarrassing and you decide, do I make this everybody else's fault or do I learn something? And across generations, people take both paths. So, yeah, I don't think ultimately it's a a big generational thing. I think everybody goes, youth is the enemy of us all. And it's largely an enemy because you just don't have a frame of reference. Like the other day, Chase came to me and he was saying something. Um, There was something wrong and I had slacked, like, why the fuck aren't we doing this? Right. And so he comes in to explain it to me. And from my perspective, he sounded ridiculous. And I thought, he's a beast and he's going to get this. And I can actually be, I think I may be hardest on Chase sometimes because I really think he's like going to fucking get this. And so I was, I was pretty hard on him and I can see him like seven years from now and each one of these times where he has to own like, fuck yeah, I should have like handled that and I didn't they're going to stack into turning him into a monster because he's going to be gritty and he's going to get this and he's going to push. And in the end, he's going to like have taken all those frames of reference. So if he listened to what I said and as to why it was a failure and why the way he was pushing back from my perspective sounded patently ridiculous, like if he really goes, okay, it doesn't feel ridiculous to me when I say it. in fact, Tom seems crazy to me. It seems like what he's asking is absurd. Why? And it, in fact... Literally, so I'm gonna be filming Twitch. We're doing a dry run of our Twitch content, which, by the way, we're gonna be going live on Twitch very, very soon. Uh, Only follow us there, by the way. If you're into media, it's all on the Impact Theory Studios side. But if you're into movies, TV shows, comics, it's gonna be pretty cool. Um, And one of the clips that I pulled is when Luke tries to raise the X-wing out of Dagobah swamp, and he's saying it's it's too big, it's too heavy, I can't do it. And Yoda goes, "It's only." Different in your because he says it's different than raising rocks and he said it's only different in your mind like um, always things can't be done with you I think is the exact quote and it was one of those moments where it's like just the the task seemed impossible because his answer was oh well I've told people but nobody's like changing it okay well why the fuck aren't you changing it like I don't understand and and so it was yeah he didn't really have an answer right so. Over time, he's going to realize, don't wait for somebody to ask. You've got to push through and develop that stuff. So he's young. He's going to get it. This will stack up. It'll turn into him being a just gritty beast. But he's got to go through that process. And it's got to sting. And there's got to be times where he feels like he disappointed himself. There's got to be times where you know, he's fearful that he thinks, oh, my God, like, is this all going to go away? Like You need all those times to like force you to push harder. You only adapt through stress. That's awesome. So when you're
0: hiring someone, and are you looking for grit and resilience, or are you looking for sparks of it in, let's say, uh, an entry level person is coming on
1: and needs to develop that? So what are you like, just really bad at and embarrassed by? Me? Yeah. Um, what am I bad Even at? Even just hold it in your head so that you don't have to say it out loud. Cause I really want that thing, that thing that you know that you're like, I need to find one that's a little more politically correct. But that thing that you know, that's how I feel about identifying grit. Like you're jabbing me in my fucking (laughs) ribs right now. So there are three things that I look for in an interview. I Uh look for grand ambition, I look for drive AKA grit, and I look for compassion. I can tell ambition and I can tell um, compassion. I'm, I'm blind to grit. I don't know how to figure it out. And the only real answer I've ever heard is look at what they've done in the past. Yes, but it's like, it's so easy to lie and it's so easy to tell a story and it's so easy to have been on a team that was gritty, but you weren't actually the one that was gritty. But that is admittedly the closest uh, maybe personal references, but like in an interview, I, I just don't know what to do because grit is when it gets hard, when it gets boring, do you keep going? And so people have talked about there are tests out there. You can give people a puzzle and see how long they keep working on it, but it's such an artificial environment. Like grit isn't just, did you were you gritty one time? It's like, are you always gritty? Is that how you approach things? Like when something's important to you, do you just keep going until it's no longer the goal that you're pursuing or not? And I, I don't, other than working with somebody, I don't know how to answer that question. Mm. So I feel like I'm, I am terrible. It's a hole in my game uh, and I'm embarrassed that I'm, it, because it's one of my three most important things and I don't know how to see it.
0: That's interesting. I did not see that response coming from you. One of the things that Sarah talks about in the interview is that she asks people for a failure and everyone has this perfect marketing response for that. And mm. then she asked them for, okay, give me another failure until they're basically having to go back and assess failures that they maybe haven't polished to be presentable. And that's how she gets to that place where, they've, where she can identify grit.
1: Oh, man, I love Sarah Robohagan, and I think this, this interview was amazing, but I don't know that that's the formula for finding out grit. That's the formula for finding out if people can, when they're on the spot, self-assess, what they're willing to admit to, and seem like if they've learned but if you ask me something that I've never thought through before, I can make it sound like I really know what I'm talking about. And But that doesn't mean I'm gritty. It means that I know what you wanna hear and that I'm very good at identifying that in the middle of the interview. But, and, and I'll give an example. So Nick Robinson is gritty as fuck. And that kid came on to be the chief marketing officer of Quest Nutrition and it was a very weird decision for him. Like his whole family's like, what are you doing? Um, because he was, we pulled him out of Hollywood and he was working for, um, Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. Eisenberg? Why does that sound wrong? The guy that ran Disney forever. <laughs> Eisner. Th- yeah. <laughs> the, the voice from heaven. Thank you, Ibrahim. Eisen, yeah, Michael like Eisner. Eisenberg. Eisenberg. Uh, so he was working for him. So the fact that we got him to come to a protein bar company was just like a major coup. And his whole family was like, what are you doing? Like, this is insanity. This is crazy. So... He was like, no, 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 there's something here. And I remember he, he had one edict for me. Don't make me make protein bars. Like, I'm here to be the chief marketing officer. And I was like, yeah, 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 dude. Like, that would be crazy. The last thing I would want you to do is, when you should be marketing, to come out and make protein bars. And I remember the first day, the line starts going fucking haywire. And I just yell, Nick. And he, he comes in, like, out of the offices into the, the production line. And he's like, yeah? I'm like... Bro, get a fucking hairnet on, put your lab coat, glove up, (laughs) like we need you right now. And he didn't fucking hesitate. And he got in and just worked and worked and worked and he did not know what he was doing but he just kept doing it because he believed this problem has to be solved for this company to get where it's going the company needs to get where we want it to go in order for me to get from this experience what i need to get and so if i have to fucking glove up even though i said this is the one thing i don't want to do if i have to glove up to make my dreams come true then that's what i'm going to fucking do you want to talk about boring you want to talk about hard that kid ended up making hundreds of thousands if not more than a million protein bars in his tenure as the chief marketing officer and he boxed them up and he shipped them out and just did whatever it took and so when somebody has a goal and they work and they do anything within their code of ethics that they have to do to get back to where they are to cross that chasm they're gritty as hell so that's an example to me of somebody that really proved over time that they were gritty did I know that in the interview? No, I got instinct that he could be special, but I didn't know. Love that story. Never heard that one before. Yeah, oh, good. And, and there are more. There are more. All right. Here's
0: a question from Violet Christine on Facebook. This is going back to um, the earlier conversation around negative voice, and I should just remind everyone what we're doing. We are on Facebook Live and YouTube Live doing After Impact. This is a show where we unpack the impact of this week's episode with Sarah Rava Hagen. This lovely lady back behind us on the screen. Um, if you haven't seen her episode, go watch it or download it for your drive home later today. Um, it's really, really good, especially if you are a working professional and, or a manager in a company and you're hiring people really some good ideas in there. But let me go back to an earlier conversation. This is a question from Violet Christine. Do you ever use the negative voice as a compass that points south? that your own resistance to a particular task means that it's all
1: the more important that you pursue it. Not, not the negative voices I think of it, but definitely there are times where I, my impulse is pulling me away that I know that it's going to be boring or that it's big and like important. And so I really want to avoid it and Mm. do something that's way lower risk. Um, And so I absolutely get that impulse a lot. And uh, fear is another great one. So that like, Oh, this is big. I want to avoid it. And fear are often great compasses to go, okay, it's the thing I want to avoid. So it's probably the thing that I should most be doing. Um, so I, and I definitely do that a lot and I treat it like they say in cross country running attack the hill, right? So you're running, like you're going as hard as you can. You're so exhausted and you come to that hill and every instinct that you have is to slow down. But what they train cross country runners to do is to speed up and it works man like mentally you're like fuck this hill like i'm i'm going hard on this like beast mode here we go and you really can for that acute period of time by channeling anger aggression all of that you can literally attack the hill and go harder i can just by doing the facial expressions and putting myself back in the mindset i can feel what it's like to attack the hill and it is very beneficial in acute moments where it's like okay this is going to be you know only a minute and 30 seconds but i'm really going to grind this out i'm going to go way hard uh, it's it's a super effective strategy. So I definitely use fear. I definitely use that like desire to move away from something as the trigger for I'm going to attack this. I'm going to go extra hard on this thing because it's important. I'm going to go extra hard on this because I'm afraid of it. And so that's really where um, going so hard on on two things. The the grand vision of the studio scares me to death. And so I attack it harder than I attack anything else and I just face everything that I have to face and I take every meeting that I can get. I try to create as much momentum as humanly possible because my fear is always trying to like, no, 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 like go do, you know, another after impact episode. Those are easy. Like I can just roll up. You know what I mean? So I, I find that I've so sort of twisted my mindset and used other things as the compasses that she's talking about that I feel indulgent when I do something like this because I'm not afraid of it. And I feel like, God, I should be getting back to something that scares me, that scares me, that scares me, uh, because usually that's where the real stakes are.
0: Nice, I like that. Here's another question from Lionola uh, Todirin. Lionola that's, Todirin. That's one of the best that's I can do right now. Uh, just a thought, parenthood really develops and builds grit. From your experience, have you ever noticed that people who have kids are more gritty?
1: The sad answer is no. And and I'll say it like this, frame of reference makes all the difference. Like how you look at it, if a parent looks at it and goes, man, like I've got these other human lives that I'm responsible for. They have an absurd amount of energy. They wake up, they're on the go, and I've gotta stay one step ahead of them the whole time and I've got multiple and so I'm having to track and watch them blossom and grow as different adults into different adults. And I've got to think like what works with this child doesn't work with this child. And so I've really got to build these strategies. And like, there are times where you want to talk about boring. It's like the same question a thousand times. It's shitty diapers. It's all that like, but I so believe in what I'm doing. I'm going to see it to the other end. That's amazing. Like there is a tremendous opportunity to be gritty, to persevere because it's in service of a goal, something that you really believe in, wanting to make them the best people that they can be and set them up for success but many times you hear people just bitch and it's like they're not having a good time this they they aren't connecting it to the vision of like helping this child become the greatest version of themselves they're not connecting it to how powerful they're becoming as a parent to like become capable of that and corralling them and reading the situation and the nuance and all the skill set that they're building they're justing i'm fucking tired a lot of this is boring. This sucks. You hear entrepreneurs do the same thing. You hear employees do the same thing. How many employees bitch about their company? And you hear parents talk the same way about being, raising kids, right? And so the best piece of advice, and I don't have kids, so let me just say, I don't even judge those people. I just don't think it's a, an effective frame of reference for enjoying your life. The best piece of advice I ever got about having kids went like this. And I remember in the moment I told the guy, this is the best piece of advice I'm ever going to get on parenting. And at the time I thought I was going to have kids. And I said, should I have kids? Should I not have kids? And he said, Tom, either way, it doesn't matter. But whatever you do, do it all the way. And that's when I thought, "Ah, oh, I don't want to be a parent. Because what I want to do all the way is build and I want to build, and I want to play on a global scale, and I want to be on a world stage, like, those are meaningful things to me, and so that will inevitably pull me away from the children, so I thought, I get it, like, I see the path to being all-in and being a parent, and it would, at at minimum, would make me feel conflicted about where I spend my time, and I didn't want that, so, and that's just me, Everybody needs to make that decision for themselves. But that was such an awesome piece of advice. So if you've chosen to be a parent, be all in. See how powerful that is. Frame it as like really making you the most gritty human being on earth because in doing that, in attacking the hill and really like dealing with these challenges as something that's empowering you, improving you, making you a better version of yourself, giving you more opportunities to actually succeed at what you want to do, which is turn those humans into like just incredible people that they're going to be proud of themselves, that you're going to be proud of them. Like that's such a cool framing. I like that. I really do. Um,
0: Let's go. We got a couple. Time for a few more questions. Here's one from Brad Span. Not sure if Brad is on Facebook or YouTube, but thanks for joining us. Nonetheless, what is the line between bringing value to a company and being taken advantage of? I try my best to add value and bring sales to my company, but I feel like they're just taking advantage of my effort.
1: <laughs> Tom, does. he loves Jared, this question. This This is... So one, I just need to say thank you for writing in. I really am grateful for that and I'm about to go fucking nuts on you. And so I apologize for that because I never want to scare people off in the community because I get it. You're putting yourself out there to ask the question. But man, I'm begging you, dude. The way that you're looking at the world is, is fucking spastic. Like it is not going to help you. And that's all I mean by that. You're not a bad person. It's absolutely, I get it. I used to think like that. Like the, I'm angry at myself for the number of years that I spent there. So trust me when I say that my aggression is aimed at myself as much as anybody else. But that way is holding you back. If you actually work for a company that is just trying to take advantage of you, fucking leave, leave. But to get what you want, the most selfish thing you could do in the world is deliver an inhuman amount of value. So let's look at that. I'm delivering all this value and my superior is stealing all the credit. Who's he fucking terrified is gonna leave the company? You. So you now have a massive piece of leverage. If you actually are delivering that value and aren't delusional, let me tell you, you go to him and say, hey, I'm delivering all this, I'm crushing it, and I would do it, for the record, I once worked for over five years without asking for a raise, okay? I wanted them to be embarrassed so that when I asked for the raise, I wanted equity, and I fucking got it, so let's be clear about that. But value, value, value. I wanted them to have a fear of loss, so you go to that person once you have established a crushing fear of loss where you have delivered so much value that that person feels a little icky that you're even under them because they know, oh my God, this person is better than me. Now you go to them and either, What's your, what do you want? Do you want better projects? Do you want more money? And make the ask. And when they deny you know I'm a fucking beast, I can go wherever I want. So now you begin the exit strategy. I don't know how, maybe it's three months, maybe it's six months, maybe it's a week, but you go find somewhere that's going to appreciate you. Or I'll do the Sarah Robbo Higgins move and I'll go, this asshole doesn't recognize or isn't willing to recognize what I'm doing. I'm gonna start going around them. And I'm going to start now delivering ideas to somebody else. And, I'm, and look, I'm going to do it super strategically. I don't have time to explain that in this one answer. But understand, I would build an amazing relationship with other people in the company that allow me to go around them. I would deliver a shit ton of value to them as well. And I would, this guy would have nothing to complain about because I'd still be crushing it for him. I'd go crush it for somebody else. And now I've got two paths. You start building allies like that, helping people out in ways little and big. Value, value, value. Knowing that Worst case scenario, I'm just getting better every day and more marketable somewhere else every day. Best case scenario, if I can't get this person on board, I get somebody else on board, show them that I've got value, I immediately move over to that area and start crushing it there. The only, the only way to success, the only way to success is to set the bar ridiculously high and surpass all expectations. It isn't to complain about somebody's taking advantage of you. It isn't to say, oh, my boss doesn't like, appreciate this or like it, then fucking move on. Like, there is only one path. Be so fucking good, they can't deny you. Be so good, they can't deny you. If they're denying you, you're not good enough. It's that fucking simple. Like, man, this is, this for me, man, this was the moment where I set myself free and I realized, I get it now. I get it now. Like the only thing holding me back is me. The only thing holding me back is my ability to get so good that people can't deny me at everything, at the job, at understanding like what person to go to, at getting so good that I can convince this person to give me the raise or to make them afraid that I'm going to take my talent somewhere else. Like that is it. That's, you've got to get good at all that shit. And this is a thing that I love about Sarah Rob Hagen is she's like, at the end of the day, you just have to be great. You've got to crush it at your job. There's no substitute. There's no amount of campaigning that you can do to convince people that you're good. Your work is either going to speak or it's not. Booze don't block dunks. Booze don't block dunks, man. That was, that was great. Love that. Thank you. Wow, we're yeah, actually we get getting a little, clapping. A little clap. That was a good one. That was, that's the first time. Never gotten claps. Thank you guys. You're very kind.
0: So I I just want to put a point on that. I think if I were to sum that up, I would say you can't be taken advantage of because you have all the agency.
1: Correct. God, that's so fucking great. I love that. Will you say that one more time? You cannot be
0: taken advantage of because you have all the agency. Correct. I love that. All right. Um, We have a few more minutes left. Um, Here's a question from Crystal on Facebook. And thanks, everyone, for submitting questions today. We got a lot, so this is really fun. Thank you, IT team. I loved when Sarah talked about reinventing herself and how she feels restless when she's not growing. What skills are you working on off screen right now, Tom? Um, we'll leave it at that. There's a couple more questions we might come back to.
1: So right now for me, this, it's, it is all about the studio. Like, I, I wonder sometimes if even Lisa understands the depths to which I'm obsessed with that and I'm thinking about that. So what does that entail? It entails... I believe my job is to convince the greatest creators on the planet that we're going to build something that's never been seen before. And it's, it's a whole new world that I was in at the beginning of my career and then left. And so now I'm having to resharpen those skills, um, dealing with agents, managers, the artists themselves, thinking of a business model that's never been done to make sure that the creators are able to share, but that we're making a shit ton of money. Like I'm not taking all this risk to not make money. Um, So that like learning that new universe is what I'm, and by the way, Hollywood is the slowest moving fucking animal on the face of the earth. And so bringing entrepreneurial urgency to creative endeavors May end up being my gift to humanity. Like, I really think looking out into our future, one of the ways that we're going to fucking take over is baked into our culture will be a sense of urgency. And as we get bigger, if we can keep that there, we'll just be able to out deliver. Like, we'll just be able to out deliver. And I can't, like, I didn't even think about it at first because the social content to me is such, like, just the first step. But people are like, wow, you guys put out a lot of content. For sure. Like, I don't understand. Like, you you just, it's early mornings. It's late nights. It's, you know, recording Alexa content at 5 in the morning. It's writing Alexa content at, for me, what is most people's 2 a.m., which is 8 (laughs) p.m. You know, it's writing Alexa content at 8 p.m. It's getting up ass early to make sure that I can go to the gym and record it. It's trying a bunch of things, knowing that some are going to fail. It's flying to New York to meet with a single writer. Um, it's convincing an agency that this writer that they've never heard of is the most important writer working today, period, and getting them excited to help him get a project off the ground that they're not going to be financially rewarded for doing that, convincing them that an investment in me is important enough to invest in this guy, their time and energy, uh, because it'll bring attention to the comic. I mean, like that whole puzzle, I I literally can feel myself. I could go off on this for like hours and hours. I'm utterly fascinated. And the other thing is the microbiome. My wife is forcing me to learn about that because I just let her suffer for far too long. It is entirely my fault. Her microbiome is my fault, and I have to fix it. So I am now working to learn that, but I'm actually really excited about it. I think it has massive implications. So those two things, I'll stop there. Nice. All
0: right, we have one more minute. I want to get one last question in. Um, Because this episode was so focused on uh, the professional world, your career, your career, what are some takeaways from this episode from Sarah Rob Hagen for people who aren't career focused?
1: So her book extreme you isn't about being hardcore. It isn't about being extroverted. It's about really saying, who am I? What have I grown to love? And how do I do that all in? Like, how do I really go after that? So it's not about mountain climbing. She interviews a chef, um, She interviews a tattoo artist, like whatever it is. And my go to for that, like there's opportunities for beauty and greatness in every like human endeavor, including parenting. Right. That's the simplest one for me. So if you just want to be the best parent ever of all time. What does that look like for you? Like what are the areas that you wanna do differently? What but like really learn about it, really get great at it, really engage with it. Like don't skim across the surface. And at the end of the day, I think that's her take-home is there is an opportunity for you to be uniquely you, but you, you've gotta push yourself. You've got to hold yourself to a standard. You've got to get really great. Like, what does it mean to be a great parent? What does it mean to be a great marketer? What does it mean to have and so many people? are building social feeds. Like, what does it mean for that to be great? Like, what metric are you holding yourself to? Just this morning, I was thinking, you know, in another five or 10 years, we're gonna have the first crop of dramatically successful entrepreneurs that say, I learned on social. And, you know, I had, these were my five virtual mentors and I never met any of them, but I went on to build something. So we've had that from books, Mm -hmm. but now we're about to have the first crop that, have come up on social. And I will judge myself based on whether or not I'm included in that like Tom Bilyeu impacted the way that I think is part of the reason that I founded my company. I stayed engaged with his content all the way through. I made my employees watch his content. Like I I will judge myself by that. And not just entrepreneurs, but other people. That one just happens to be like, it'll happen on the biggest scale. Mm. But if people aren't pointing back to the ideology that I'm putting out into the world and saying definitively it influenced my belief system, my behavior, my actions, and those actions had a positive outcome for myself and the world, then I'll say I wasted this time, that I did not succeed. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, that's it for today. That's all the time we have. Nice.
1: Guys, thank you so much for joining us. If any of you out there are media, movie, TV shows, comics, focus, like if you love that shit, we are doing the Thinking Man's version all around empowerment, and media um, on a new channel, a YouTube channel, Impact Theory Studios. So check that out, definitely subscribe. We're gonna be putting out weekly content. We shoot our next, we've already done one. We shoot our next piece of content tomorrow. We're doing a dry run for um, a piece that we're gonna be doing on Twitch later today. This is all coming, this is all happening. It's only for the fans of those things though. I don't want everybody to go there. So. Only go if you're a fan of those sayings. If you've ever drawn a lesson from The Karate Kid, Star Wars, The Matrix, if any of that stuff has permeated your life, that's what we're gonna be talking about, how to draw those lessons. And that is gonna become the YouTube hub for the creative that we're gonna be creating. So um, for anybody that's a fan of that stuff, we're eager to have you join us there. So, all right, guys, if you haven't already subscribed here, be sure to do so. And until next time, my friends, be legendary, take care.